Hello and welcome to WaveScan, the international DX program from Adventist World Radio. Researched and written in Indianapolis by Dr. Adrian Peterson and produced in the studios of WRMI Shortwave in Miami, I'm Jeff White. This is edition NWS 577 for release on Sunday, March 15th, 2020. On the program today, the radio scene at the sinking of the Graf Spee. Our first report from the HFCC A20 Shortwave Frequency Conference in Malaysia, and the local radio station providing important coronavirus coverage for a small town in Italy. Well, it was early morning on Friday, September 1st, 1939, that German forces invaded Poland in what is considered to be the beginning of World War II, at 11.15 a.m. in London on Sunday, September 3, 1939, the British Prime Minister Neville Chamberlain announced over BBC Radio that Great Britain was at war against Germany. At the time, the German battlecruiser KMS Admiral Graf Spee was in rendezvous with its supply ship, the Allmark, in the Atlantic Ocean, southwest of the Canary Islands. Under orders, both the Graf Spee and the Altmark fled at high speed southward. A hunter group of 25 Allied ships was ordered to find and sink the German cruiser. Here now is Ray Robinson with more on the story. Thanks, Jeff. At the time, the German battlecruiser KMS Admiral Graf Spee was in rendezvous with its supply ship, the Altmark, in the Atlantic Ocean, southwest of the Canary Islands. Under orders, both the Graf Spee and the Outmark fled at high speed southward. A hunter group of 25 Allied ships was ordered to find and to sink the German cruiser. The KMS Admiral Graf Spee had been laid down as construction number 125 at the German Navy shipyard at Wilhelmshaven on October 1st, 1932, and it was launched nearly two years later on June 30th, 1934. With its eight nine-cylinder manned diesel engines, the ship could travel at the fast water speed of 32 miles per hour. This ship was christened by Huberta, the daughter of Admiral Maximilian von Spee, in honour of whom the ship was named. During the month of October 1939, the Graf Spee sank or captured five ships in the South Atlantic before making into the Indian Ocean, where there was an encounter with another two ships. On her return to the Atlantic, the Graf Spee sank three more ships before heading towards the coast of South America at Montevideo, Uruguay. should also be added that there was no loss of life in any of these naval encounters, and Captain Hans Langsdorff on the Graf Spee humanely ensured the safety of all personnel aboard ships that were sunk or captured. Around daylight on Wednesday, December 13th, 1939, a firefight began with Graf Spee versus three British warships, the Exeter, Ajax and Achilles. After a two-hour fight, all four ships disengaged, 
and that evening the damaged Graf Spey steamed into the port of Montevideo in neutral Uruguay for repairs which would take about two weeks to complete. The German wounded were taken to the English hospital in Montevideo and the dead were buried with due honour. Allied shipping personnel who'd been captured by the Graf Spey before their ships were sunk were released in Montevideo. According to international laws involving a neutral country during a war, the government of Uruguay informed the Graf Spey that it would need to leave within 72 hours, that is three days, or face internment. The British Admiralty broadcast a series of radio signals in Morse code on frequencies known to be intercepted by German intelligence, and this information indicated that a large British naval force was awaiting the Graf Spey if it ventured out into international waters. However, in reality, the nearest British task force was still some 3,000 miles away, so this was a bluff. The Graf Spey was still in disrepair and it was low on ammunition, and therefore incapable of winning a major attack out in the ocean. If it remained in Montevideo, the Royal Navy would have had access to the impounded ship. Captain Langsdorff aboard the Graf Spey, callsign DGTS, communicated by radio with naval headquarters in Germany using German Morse code, and two options were placed before him. He could make a dash to Buenos Aires in Argentina, where the ship would be impounded, though safe, or he could scuttle the ship, which was the option that he chose. On Monday, December the 18th, 1939, the Graf Spey, with the captain and a maintenance crew of just 40 seamen, moved away from Montevideo, and in the early evening, a planned massive series of internal explosions destroyed and sank the Graf Spey. A small tug from Argentina had already carried the remaining seamen over to Buenos Aires in Argentina. Another small German supply vessel, the Tacoma, was impounded in Buenos Aires. Two days later, Captain Hans Langsdorff committed suicide in his hotel room in Buenos Aires. All of the German seamen were interned in Argentina for the remainder of the war, and the few rusted remains of the Graf Spey remain to this day in shallow waters just five miles almost directly south of Montevideo. Radio coverage of the dramatic events associated with the Graf Spey in the River Plate or Rio de la Plata estuary and in Montevideo Harbour were presented by Talbot G. Bowen at the request of NBC in New York. Bowen, an American citizen who was employed in Montevideo, had previously presented on local radio a few items of regional interest, as well as a couple of major radio events for NBC in the United States. Bowen had been contracted by NBC to cover all local events associated with the Graf Spey, and he happened to be on the quayside at Montevideo when the Graf Spey moved out of the harbour at 5.55pm on December 17, 1939. He gave a live actuality report on the departure of the Graf Spey from Montevideo Harbour and of its explosive sinking less than two hours later. It stated that several thousand people were on the quayside watching the dramatic events just five miles out to sea. The live radio coverage from Montevideo in Uruguay was fed from a waterside wharf by underwater cable and phone line to the new Transradio receiver station at La Dora San Martín near Buenos Aires in Argentina, 
and from thence to the Monte Grande transmitter station LSX for coverage to the United States and beyond. Nationwide American coverage was obtained via 175 medium-wave stations operated by the two NBC networks, Red and Blue, and international coverage was provided via shortwave stations WGEA and WGEO in Schenectady, New York. We should also add that all three of the British warships survived the Battle of the River Plate, though HMS Exeter was subsequently sunk three years later in the Second Battle of the Java Sea, north of Australia, in 1942. Both HMS Ajax and the British-made New Zealand vessel HMNZS Achilles survived World War II. For now, back to you, Jeff. Thank you very much, Ray Robinson at KVOH in Los Angeles. As our regular listeners may know, we have just returned from the A20 Global Coordination Conference of the High Frequency Coordination Conference, the Arab States Broadcasting Union, and the Asia-Pacific Broadcasting Union in Kuala Lumpur, Malaysia. Just before the conference began, Jerry Plummer of WWCR and I sat down with George Ross of Transworld Radio to preview the meeting where shortwave frequencies are chosen and coordinated with shortwave broadcasters around the world. Well, Jerry, we made it to uh, Kuala Lumpur finally. Yeah, yeah. We've, uh, that's a long trip, Jeff. You know that. Oh, from the U.S., it is really long. <laughs> uh, but, you know, once you get here, it's it's nice. It's, it's a nice place. It is. It's nice. And uh, we have with us uh, in our studio here in Kuala Lumpur today, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, George Ross from Traswell Radio. Hi, George. Yes, it's good to be with you. Another traveler from the U.S. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. You that's had right. a long trip, too. <laughs> yeah, yeah he, you came out of Arizona via... Seattle, Seattle, I think. Yeah. I came from Seattle also. Oh, did yeah, you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, you had to go completely across the U.S. first. That's right. Before you got ready to that's start. That's right. Yeah, okay. And then did you go to Korea yes. on the way here? Okay, we did it the same way. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's a long trip. And then trip. Korea to KL. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. about six hours. That's short. That's real short. But when yeah. you put it all together, it's, what, 21-plus hours in the air. Uh, that's that's a long flight. It yeah. is. yeah. And, you know, they're doing, those things do 550, 600 miles an hour and still takes 21 hours to get there, right? Yeah. But we're here and it's all good. That's right. That's right. Finally, because, of course, this conference was going to be two weeks before now and it was going to be in Hainan, China. Yeah. So, uh, of course, that would have been a long trip as well. But um, it was, of course, canceled because of the coronavirus, sure like did, so many yeah. other things. And, you know, yeah. um, even if they hadn't canceled it, we probably wouldn't have been able to make it. I know Delta, that's how I flew, uh, canceled any flights into China. So, yeah. And, of course, if we did get there, we may have trouble getting out. <laughs> that's right. Or get quarantined on the way back. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but uh, I know I mean, we laugh about it. It's a serious thing. But oh, yeah, the, uh, the Chinese, in the end, had to cancel the conference, mm-hmm. uh, the HFCC or ABU. Uh, ASBU coordination conference for the A20 period uh, because of the virus. And since this was a, an ABU conference, um, ABU decided to have it in their headquarters, uh, right. the city anyway, in, in here in Kuala Lumpur. In, in KL. So, and yeah. they did, they really did a good job in a very short time frame yeah. to fit yeah. this up. Uh, it's not at the hotel that we traditionally are <laughs> because of the very short time frame it was booked. Yeah. But they found a nice place that I think is mm-hmm. going to work out work out well for and us. And actually, the ABU has a digital broadcast symposium that's happening 
starting this coming weekend, yes, so yes. it's already right. filling up with delegates. Yeah, yeah. That's, but that's good. My hat is really off to them for all the work they did to be able to pull this together on such an incredible uh, short notice. Less than about two, two weeks. weeks notice. Yes. Yeah, two yeah. weeks yes. notice. Yeah. yeah. Are you going to the to the other conference, George? The digital. If this had been an anticipated conference, <laughs> I absolutely would, but I can't now. Yeah, yeah. I'm excited about what potentials that they will be discussing yeah, as yeah. Asia, Asia continues to roll out DRM. Uh-huh. Yeah, now, will DRM be high on the agenda there? That's one of the key um, things they'll be addressing again. Yes. Oh, that's good. Mm. That's good. And, and, and I suppose the Chinese won't be able to attend that. That's, That's right. another thing. Oh. Yes, this has really mm. constricted a lot of the DRM um, broadcasting and initiatives that China was doing. We would have been able to see some of that, but obviously now they can't, they can't get out. They cannot yeah. get out at all, and that's a problem here too, because you know the Chinese are the probably the biggest users of the shortwave spectrum. Oh yeah, and oh, yeah. they're the usually one of the largest delegations, if not the largest delegation here at the uh, HSCC conferences. And they and, wanted to come, but you just can't do it. That's right. Yeah. 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 Now, Jeff, I assume there's about fifty percent of the amount of delegates we usually have here. This is going to set some incredible records Mm -hmm. with how we can deal remotely with these type of coordination Mm -hmm. teams. That's right. A lot of uh, organizations are planning planning to deal with it via email, including our our own FCC, because uh, uh, the FCC delegate was not able to attend. But you know, one of the problems um, that's going to surface out of this, and it's one of the reasons we've all contended that the uh, HFCC meetings are so critical, is it takes away the time barrier. When you pull people from all around the world and put them in one room, then all of a sudden I don't have to wait 12 hours to contact George or vice versa. And when, I'll just go back and talk to them, you know. So yeah, because when it's nighttime here, it's, it's uh, daytime in in uh, the U.S. and vice versa. Yeah, it's it's definitely going to restrict the ability to communicate as effectively. But but it's an aberration, you know. Uh, the next one in Sofia, I believe, will be back to the same way we were. Uh, I think this is an outlier uh, of many things that are unusual. But, but as George says, it'll be a challenge oh, to see yeah. how well we can deal sure with it. it. It definitely will. <laughs> well, we need will. to. There's yeah. no getting around that. Yeah, it, yeah. you're definitely right about yeah. those whole things. Yeah. But again, like George says, uh, hats off to Shree and uh, the guys that put together this thing so effectively, so quickly. Yeah, uh, yeah. And they've had experience doing it in the past. As yeah, you know, you've yeah, been to yeah. several conferences here, right? Oh, yeah, guys, yeah. yeah. I think mm-hmm. that's my fifth or sixth time. How, long, how many times have you been here, George? The very first global conference was here in 2000, mm-hmm. okay. and that was the first conference I started to work at. Oh, it was, this so, was your first one? Wow. So it's been 20 years, but they've had them, I think it's six or seven conferences here anyway. Mm. Yeah, have you missed sense. any of those in the past 20 years? I've missed one conference in the 20 years. <laughs> Which one was it? Was that was the one in Frankfurt. And that's before my time, yeah. Uh, before my well, time, Well, you know, Arto... Uh, one of our long-time attendees has, from Finland. From Finland, he's not here this time. That's a first. And that's yeah. a first, I believe. Yeah. Mm. Uh, since my time, it's a first. I bet it's for you too. Mm. Yeah. Well, as you mentioned, it'll be like about half the number of. Well, we can we can say that 
Uh, there's about half as many people here as were registered for the conference in China when yeah, it was going to be yeah, in China. No and so that is a, a little bit of a, <laughs> a, a difficulty. Well, you but, know, the China thing was a little bit slow building up, but mm-hmm. uh, if all of this hadn't happened, I, I feel comfortable we would have had a substantial turnout for mm-hmm. China. Yeah, yeah. I think part of the problem here, of course, people had to ch- you know, cancel their reservations in China and make reservations to Kuala oh, yeah. Lumpur oh, yeah. and so on. It's very difficult, and, uh, and so a lot of them have not been able to attend. But I think a lot of the problem is uh, that people are, are afraid to travel to Asia in general right yeah. now, do you think? I agree. Yeah. Well, George and I were talking about the flight over, both of us, for the first time in, since probably 9-11. Uh, had flights that were way less than full. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, had seats between us, that which is pretty rare. It is you know? very mm-hmm. rare for me. Mm-hmm. People are afraid. Whether those fears are valid or not, I don't know. But the but fact they that they're, they're afraid means they're not coming. So, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, about half, like you say, about half of what we had registered for China several weeks back are here and and I know a lot of people are afraid of that perceived or realistic it's it doesn't matter it's it's yeah. it's that way Jerry Plummer of WWCR and George Ross of Transworld Radio were speaking with me there in Kuala Lumpur Malaysia just before the HFCC A20 Global Coordination Conference began Currently, the rapid worldwide spread of the China virus, which is identified as coronavirus, COVID-19, has caught the attention of almost every person living upon our planet. In many different countries and on tourist cruise ships at sea, areas of quarantine have been established in an attempt to control the further spread of this dreaded virus. One area in Italy, for example, has become a center of contagion for this unwanted China virus, and a small local radio station has emerged as an important news provider for the local community. Now here's Ray Robinson. Yes, the story of Radio Codogno, together with its special Red Zone broadcasts each day, was published in the Italian daily newspaper Il Giorno. It was translated into English by Antonello Napolitano, the editor of DX Fanzine, and the English version was published in the latest internet edition of this Italian DX magazine, DX Fanzine. The English text has been modified slightly by our Wavescan editor, Dr. Adrian Peterson, for broadcast on shortwave. Radio Codogno. Il meglio di siesta. International news reports indicate that the China virus, identified as coronavirus COVID-19, has spread rapidly in several areas of Italy. One of the small towns in Italy that has suffered badly under this outbreak is Codogno in Lodi, Lombardy, with a population of some 15,000 people. Codogno is located in northern Italy, some 40 miles southeast of Milan. Until a few weeks ago, Codogno was largely unknown, even to most Italians. However, after the outbreak of the coronavirus in Italy, this town has been declared one of the worst affected areas, and because of this, it has now become almost as famous in Italy as other major cities, such as Rome, Venice or Milan. When the virus spread in northern Italy, ten towns there, including Codogno, were placed under a quarantine lockdown, with police manning checkpoints around the area. In this context, with supermarkets, banks, restaurants and shops all closed, 
Radio Codogno, a small community radio station owned by the church, has suddenly emerged as one of the most important sources of information for people living under the quarantine. The Italian newspaper Il Giorno tells how this radio station, which airs a special program called Radio Zona Rossa, or Radio Red Zone, has become an important news source for the local community. On February the 27th, 2020, the newspaper reported from Codogno Lodi the following article. At 1100 hours yesterday, a voice from the airwaves entered the homes of those forced into quarantine. Buongiorno Codognesi, or Good Morning Citizens of Codogno, declared the host of Radio Zona Rossa, Radio Red Zone, in a special broadcast carried over Radio Codogno on 100.35 MHz FM. This historic religious radio station was founded in 1983. I guess in 2020, 1983 is considered historic. And these days, after the outbreak of COVID-19, it has become twice each day an important reference point, especially for those who are forced to stay at home. Providing updated news and official bulletins from the local authorities, together with other useful information, is the main mission for this new radio programme. In an era congested with social media, radio is still a very effective bastion for providing needed information to a local community. FM radio, we might say, is part of what we might call the old analogue world, but it still has a part to play to encourage those who are afraid and to unite those who feel isolated. With headphones on his head, it was the well-known radio announcer Pino Pagani who gave the green light for the broadcast about coronavirus that was repeated yesterday at 1700 hours. This program will continue on a daily basis until the virus emergency is ended. Included in its dissemination of useful information, the radio station will provide the phone numbers of the local civil protection, and it will also provide information regarding the eventual opening of supermarkets, together with the timetables for other local events. Yesterday, during its first broadcast of virus events and information in the morning, the number of responses from listeners skyrocketed dramatically, far greater than normal for Radio Codogno. It's a clear signal that the citizens need dissemination of reliable news, though our citizens also need a simple contact, a friendly voice, stated the sound operator Francesco Dada. A few minutes after 1100 hours, a call from an elderly faithful listener came in. She was worried, and she asked what can she do when the service numbers she has phoned don't answer her calls. Our programming is an important voice as a point of reference for the locality, and we are therefore happy to carry out this task and to expand the coverage of news that, at this stage, almost everyone needs, said Massimo Scaglioni, the radio station spokesman. However, in addition to the regularly scheduled three times daily broadcasts of Radio Zona Rossa, needed information may also be broadcast at other times of the day. However, because of the additional workload under these quarantine broadcasts, the station management states, we need additional personnel, volunteers who are familiar with radio work and who can make themselves available. More than ever, under quarantine, the need for volunteers increases, they state. And that's the end of the article from Il Giorno, translated for us by Antonello Napolitano, the editor of the DX fanzine DX Club in Italy. Back to you, Jeff. Okay, perhaps a job there for some of our WaveScan listeners in Italy. 
Hello everyone, Taladir Shortwave listeners, wherever you are, welcome to the March 8th edition of the Philippine DX. This is report number 156. I'm Henry Umatay in Bacolod City, Negros Occidental Central Philippines. Glad to be back and thank you for listening. Reception lags for February 2020. February 10th, Rachel Taiwan International, 11915 in Indonesia. From Tainan at 12.25, SIO 4.44. February 10, Adventist World Radio on 15.500 in Indonesia. From Guam at 11.40, SIO 4.44. February 17, KBS World Radio 9.770 in English. From Jim J at 10.45, SIO 3.33. February 20, Adventist World Radio on 17.540 in Ilocano. From Guam. At 10.46, SIO 3.33. February 22, China Radio International on 11.955 in Filipino Prime Kunming. At 11.51, SIO 5.55. February 24, Radio Pilipinas Officers Service on 12.010 in English Prime Tinang. At 0.245, SIO 3.33. February 26, China Radio International on 12.0. 70 in Filipino Pramshan, Sanjay Province at 11.51 SIO 4.44 February 29 Adventist World Ratio on 17.540 in Filipino Pramangkanya at 10.38 SIO 4.44 February 29 Adventist World Ratio on 11.965 in Indonesia Pramangkanya, Guam at 10.45 SIO 5.55 February 29 NHK Ratio Japan on 9740 in Japanese from Yamata at 1100 SIO444. February 29, China Ratio International on 9730 in English from Beijing at 1100 SIO555. And February 27, China Ratio International 12070 in Filipino from Kunming at 1134 SIO333. Send us your comments, suggestions, reception logs, and informations to PilipinasDX at Chiahoo.com. That's P-I-L-I-P-I-N-A-S-D-X for PilipinasDX at Chiahoo.com. This has been Henry Umaday for Wavescan in Bacolod City, Negros Occidental, Central, Philippines, Sayang Mabuhay, at maraming salamat po. We end Wavescan today with music from Malaysia. There are three primary ethnic groups in Malaysia, the Malays, the Chinese, and the Indians. This is Chinese music from Malaysia. Thanks for listening to WaveScan, the international DX program from Adventist World Radio. Researched and written in Indianapolis by Dr. Adrian Peterson. Next week, the happiest place on earth, Vanuatu in the South Pacific, is back on shortwave. More from the HFCC shortwave conference in Malaysia and our Australian DX report. Several QSL cards are available for this program. Send your AWR and KSDA reception reports for WaveScan to the AWR address in Thailand. I'll give you in a moment. 
and also to the station your radio is tuned to, WRMI or WWCR or KVOH or Voice of Hope Africa, or to IRRS Italy, or to the AWR relay stations that carry wave scan. Remember, too, you can send a reception report to the DX reporters when their segment is on the air here in the program. They will also verify with their own colorful QSL card. Return postage and an address label are always appreciated. The only email address for AWR QSLs is qsl at awr.org. And the only postal address for AWR QSLs is Adventist World Radio, P.O. Box 234, Prakadong, Bangkok 10110, Thailand. Again, that's Adventist World Radio, P.O. Box 234, Prakadong, Bangkok, 10110, Thailand. And the email address for other correspondents to Wavescan, other than reception reports, is wavescan at awr.org. I'm Jeff White, WRMI in Miami. Till next week, good listening, everyone. 总归是秋天，总归是秋天。